episode 246 of Global from Asia. Welcome to the Global from Asia podcast, where the daunting process of running an international business is broken down into straight up actionable advice. And now your host, Michael Michelini. Welcome back. Thanks for tuning in to GFA 2.0. And this will be our first interview show. I got a few lined up and we are rocking and rolling. And today is talking about leaving China. And I know many of you know I left fall last year maybe summer and I'm in Thailand and so I love China I don't know we're actually the fuchsia next the next show I think I'm trying to decide which interviews to put which but next week's will be about somebody that can't leave China <laughs> and it'll be an interesting one but this one's about leaving China and we have Rico our buddy at made in China podcast and he's been transitioning his time out of China. He's been, he chose Manila. I chose Thailand. And it's it's um it's not it's not about uh you know I know a lot of people anywhere. I mean, uh, patriotic Americans, patriotic Chinese sometimes take offense to it. it. I don't think either of us are saying we don't like being there. I I love the hustle. I mean, honestly, I'm getting a little bit lazier in Thailand. It's just hard if you don't get that intense construction and action 24-7. I mean, maybe New York City's got that city never sleeps feeling, but China's just that like money feeling, like everybody's trying to make as much money as possible surrounding you, and you just got that feeling. But I do miss that. I mean, that was what attracted me to it. But uh, today we're um, we're going to be talking about it and about the business side, running a business that is revolving around China. He does sourcing and and uh, procurement and how he found a partner, Chinese partner, which I did war- warn a little bit, or I have some worries. We've had some other guests like Steve Marsh uh, in previous episodes that has had those issues. We'll link it up on the show notes if you want to listen to his two-part series of his uh, his his uh, negative experience of having a staff member that... Uh, decided to go off on his own and take a customer database. But there's a lot of these worries that can happen anywhere, maybe, uh, or it can happen anywhere. So we are, uh, you know, I did kind of have the little bit of my my uh, friend advisor hat on talking to Rico. And uh, I hope that makes it interesting. But today, we're going to talk about it. And I don't think most foreigners don't live in China forever. I mean, I guess if I think Zach Franklin's listening and, and appreciate that, buddy. Um, I think you're China for life. I don't know. Maybe maybe I used to think at some parts I thought maybe I was China for life. But it's hard to predict if we're a lifer or not. So today, hopefully you enjoy. Some people maybe never think could even go to China. I know a lot of you know e-commerce sellers, Amazon sellers, friends, traders that have never stepped foot in China, either for personal reasons or business reasons or whatever reason. And they were able to operate business, you know, buying from China. Some have... Uh, done it longer than others and uh i did a little bit over 10 i'll share i'll share i don't want to say i'm this intro is a little bit longer than than usual at the end i'll do a five or ten minute talk about my time coming into china and leaving if you're interested you can wait till the end for that but let's go into rico's interview we get some juicy tips and insights about you know managing your company that might be revolving around china while you're not there 
also, quick note, Rico is going to be partaking in our Global From Asia boot camp this July. He'll be hanging out between the 7th to the 13th in Chiang Mai. So I'm really excited to have Rico support and be part of this to help you guys get to the next level with your Amazon and your e-commerce business. And you can check us out at globalfromasia.com slash bootcamp for his info to schedule and lots more info. Let's dive in, 246 of Global From Asia. Are you looking to grow your international business from Asia? Amazon FBA, import, export, and cross-border e-commerce are trends in today's world, especially here at Global From Asia. And we put together an e-course, e-book, both actually, all together for you for free. With some fast track getting you going global from Asia. Check it out at globalfromasia.com slash ebook. You'll get the book as well as an interactive e-course that will be catered based on how you answer the email series. So I look forward to seeing you on the inside. Check it out, globalfromasia.com slash ebook. Thank you, everybody, for tuning into a Global From Asia podcast. We have with us, how, how many, well, we've been on so many different shows together. I can't yeah. even remember, but yeah, Rico. Rico. China YouTube channel, your podcast, yes. like my podcast, yeah. Multiple, multiple, multiple podcasts, but it's it's great, you know, getting this, getting GFA started up again, and you'll be one of our first group of guests. So, of course, got to get Rico on. Thanks for joining us today. Yeah, man. Always, always happy to to talk to you and talk to your audience. Um, you know, just happy. Like I, I, we were talking about in the previous episode is like, yeah, I mean, the reason, part of the reason why I'm in China and part of the reason why I started a podcast is because of Global From Asia, Global From Asia's podcast. So, you know. Awesome. Always happy to be Thanks, on. buddy. Thanks, buddy. Yeah. And, and yeah, so a little bit about you. You're, uh, you're running a I would say sourcing, of course, you got your Made in China podcast, highly recommend people head on over and subscribe. You also have a YouTube channel, but besides the content, there's always got to be the business. That's almost been my mistake sometimes, <laughs> just doing too much content, not enough business, but you're running like a pretty well established now sourcing agency. Is that what I would say? Yeah. Sourcing sure. consulting company. Yeah. Based in Guangzhou. Um, we have, uh, how big is our team now? So we scaled back last year, but then because I wanted to focus more on having part-time people because you know how you know projects fluctuate up and down. So having full-time people, something that people don't know about China is like it's not very easy to, once you have somebody on a one-year contract, it's not very easy to, to let them go. Um, so kind of change the strategy. So we have three full-time people uh, and then another three part-time people. So we have four people in the China, in the Guangzhou office and then we have two people up in northern China literally working in a factory on a daily basis like and then i have um, a couple editors in the philippines video and podcast editors yep that's great it's great to see yeah i mean we could link up to all these different shows too that on various podcasts but to see see you develop and i'm happy to hear gfa was part of the beginnings and uh, of you to get where you are at today so there's so much to talk about and I'm sure we'll drop some other nuggets, but I think we wanted to kind of focus on, we're both kind of, well, I'm fully uh, migrated out of China. I think as of first recording, you're in the process of um, spending more time out of China. Is that correct? Yeah. I mean, last year I spent the most amount of time traveling, just being out of the office, like whether it was flying around China or flying outside of China, but mostly 
you know, around China. So that kind of got me thinking. I'm at a stage right now where I don't necessarily have to be in the office on a daily basis, and we have all these. You know, we have Slack and Zoho projects and Google Drive um, and WeChat as well. So it's like, you know, a lot of the communication is done through these those channels and file sharing through those channels. Like, so I was like, okay, you know, things have been smooth. I didn't have any issues with me being outside of the office as frequently as I was. And then a lot of my friends have left, um, you know, Harrison and Carl. Harrison's now, I think right now he's in, he's in Hong Kong, but he's going to be in Thailand for a few months. Um, Carl's back in the US so it just kind of got me thinking my plan has always been to get to the, get the business to a stage part of why I want to start a company is to have freedom to travel and and live my life the way I want to live and I was like oh, I think I'm at a stage where that could be a, a reality in the next six months to a year so my goal this year one of my goals is to promote um my project manager, she's probably going to become the COO of the company if she hits certain key performance indicators. And then I need to set up some banking stuff where I can make sure that I can get money into China without uh, without too many issues. And I want to spend at least two to three months outside of China, specifically in Manila. And then next year, I'll probably spend half of the year because um, I still, obviously, I still want to be here. I still want to be developing the business and all that stuff. And I, you know, I think I need to be back and forth. So yeah, it's kind of it's kind of where awesome, I'm awesome, man. Great. There's, yeah, I think we can you almost kind of give a good outline for the show. <laughs> but I think uh, <laughs> I think we both want to make sure. For of course, there's always going to be people who can interpret things as they want. But I think I think you would agree. I, I'm I'm not, I, I actually miss China. I've been out now as far as recording this. Um, over half a year, um, not a year at the end of the summer, but I left and moved out permanently again to August 2018. And uh, you were, you know, you're starting out now in 2019, but I, I don't, didn't, it's not like uh, I'm a hater. I don't, I don't want to say like I, I, I uh, couldn't wait to leave, but there's a lot of things I really miss and I really enjoyed in China the hustle and energy, right? Like that, mm. just that drive, like you just feel like, it's a, a beating heart of people trying to make money, you know, <laughs> like yeah. I kind of, yeah. I kind of, but, uh, you know, I think we both have that special part of China. And I think today's show, maybe we can just almost talk about using, using that to maybe, uh, find what you're enjoying in life and business. Uh, cause there's obviously so much opportunity still, I would say in China. Um, but, uh, what do you yeah, think of that? Yeah, I mean, I'm going to be, yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm going to be coming back to China for the rest of my life um, as long as, you know, things are okay politically. Uh, but yeah, I think China's, there's nothing, there's, it's such a unique place. There's no other country like it. The The level of expansion and the, the business that's going on here, it, you know, it just, no one else can really replicate what's going on here. And the energy, like you said, Every time I go to another place, another city, even some of the larger ones, maybe like Hong Kong is probably, you know, one of the few places that also has that energy, but the hustle, the seven days a week, the working 12 hours, 14 hours a day, you know, people just trying to make money on a, on a really high level or even on a smaller scale, like in the markets and stuff like that. It's just, it, it, there's nothing else like it. And the entrepreneurship, everybody's an entrepreneur, basically. Like everybody has an entrepreneurship uh, mentality. Um, which is infectious. True that. True, true, true. Um, so I also think it's important for, for listeners. I know um, 
we're not totally location independent, you know, podcast or, or uh, you know, industry really. But, you know, I think both your your uh, audience and mine are, are, of course, entrepreneurs, business owners, world travelers. I think it's also a little bit sometimes better to diversify um, diversify in your geography, diversify in your uh, your your lifestyle um, mm-hmm. as well. So I think it's also something to keep in mind to, for everybody to um, to also keep that in mind. So 100%. was that always the was that always your plan? Like was this like when you was this the plan? Like come in, spend some time, get out, or at least less time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I consider myself a four hour work week baby. Uh, so I mean, I read the four hour work week when I was nineteen. It was second year, second year of college, um, and it just it just resonated with me the idea that you know you could be location independent and travel to multiple countries, and the idea of just like picking the place that picking the place that treats you the best. You know, so like I don't know what it's like to live in in Italy. I don't know what it's like to live in Brazil. I don't know what it's like to to live in Cambodia or you know any of these countries. So it's like I need to see what that's like. If I go spend 3 to 6 months in these places and I get a feel for what it would be like for me to live there, maybe I fall in love with that country. Maybe that's the best place for me personally. So that's always been the goal is like I want to go to China. Um that will allow me to be in Southeast Southeast Asia and travel to all these different places for vacation and stuff like that, but at the same time build my business and then eventually get to a stage where I can then start spending six months in this place, six months here, six months there, and then figure out, you know, it's just maybe I fall in love with one of those places and maybe that's the place that suits me the most. So the goal was always to, you know, move to China, start a business. And part of, part of the reason why I chose Guangzhou is because I'd be in Southeast Asia and I'd be in proximity to all these cool places like Thailand and the Philippines. And that would allow me to, take small trips while I'm building up the business and then eventually get to a stage where I can run the business remotely. Um, and, you know, I think Andy Church has like the perfect situation where he has his Shenzhen office, he has an EU office, and he flies in every quarter to have meetings with his team and do quarterly reviews and then check up on the factories. That's kind of where I want to end up in okay. the next, you know, two to three years. Great. So, uh, you know, the first step is, and and from the beginning of the business, I've always tried to be systematic. I've always tried to create uh, uh, create SOPs and systems where somebody else who comes in who has no experience can kind of pick up where, uh, pick up and do the things that I, I, I do on a regular basis. So, um, yeah, I think I'm beginning to see the fruits of that labor at this stage. Great. Yeah. It's great to hear, man. So actually one thing that you mentioned that I wanted to touch on was uh, you talked about sometimes it's good to diversify, you know, your surroundings and things like that. And that was actually, I just, I just came off of a month in Manila and one of my goals was to see if I could meet entrepreneurs that were entrepreneurs that would basically inspire me or give me different ideas. Um, and I ended up meeting a community in, in BGC. One of the guys is Mark. Um, as as we yeah. as your, your partner, and yeah, it was cool because because I was I was I met entrepreneurs that were in adjacent spaces to me. So digital marketers, guys who are selling on Amazon, uh, Mark specifically who invests in Amazon businesses, and it's like it's related, but it's not exactly what I'm doing. So I was picking their brain, and I'm learning from them, and they're introducing me to potential clients. And then on the flip side, 
they were like, I don't know anybody in China who does what you do. I need you or I, I, my friend might need you. So then it was like a mutual thing. And, and then it gives me more ideas. I was like, well, if I, if spending two to three weeks in BGC means meeting these people, what happens if I'm here for six months? Who are the kind of people that I would meet? How is that going to build my business? And how is that going to benefit my company? Um, True. So, yeah, I mean, obviously I'm going there for lifestyle reasons, but I'm also expanding my business. I'm also expanding my network. Nice. Yeah, yeah I, I agree with that. I mean, I think a lot of times people was doing doing sourcing and, and business with China get a lot more clients and, and leads when they're out of China. I know that uh, a lot of people told me the same. So that's that's yeah. great to hear. Yeah, people always want to meet someone in person, right? Like, especially when they're dealing, when you're dealing with some of the numbers that some of these guys were talking about, six-figure, mid-six-figure orders, um, you know, seven-figure businesses. I have never had a client who was a six to seven-figure client who I didn't, well, seven-figure client that I didn't have to meet in person before we started working together. So they would fly into China um, or I met them in Hong Kong stuff like that so it's just i guess when you're doing business on that level it's like yeah you do want to meet them in person they don't want to just like go on a website and pay for a service you know awesome yeah okay yeah i agree i mean it's it's b2b right business it's about relationships and trust especially these larger transactions and Mm long-term relationships and uh, and of course they're especially yeah product-based business is the Obviously, the product is is the business, so they got to get good product and and mm-hmm. uh, and feel comfortable about getting it on a on a on a consistent long term basis. So that's great to hear. One point I definitely am interested to hear about is management. So you mentioned you're you're developing somebody in your team to be like COO, and you have these KPIs in place. I'd I'd mm-hmm. love to hear more about the process of. Did you was that always the Again, like, you know, was that always the plan? Did you have something? Is that what she was expecting? I'm, I'm curious no, to hear this. No, I mean, she just kind of, um, she's grown into the role, right? Um, I think one of the biggest issues in Southeast Asia or specifically China, if you're running a service-based business, is that a lot of our work is based around customer service and client-facing stuff. So my concern was always that, if, do I hire, do I bring in a foreigner uh, to to take on the CEO role, or do I promote internally? And the worry was like, yeah, you know, what happens if there's an issue, and and you know, the, my project manager has to speak to the client, or she has to update the client on certain issues. And I think over time, as I've seen her interact with with customers online and stuff like that, and I've and I've had situations where we we traveled with customers, me and her, and and clients, and. I realize she can handle most of those things. She does need additional training in in sort of a little bit understanding, I guess, customer psychology and how to communicate issues. Like that's the biggest thing is how to communicate a problem in a way that doesn't raise more, um, raise doesn't get the customer more worried than they should be. Because there's certain things that happen like in mass productions that are normal, but we always tell people, hey, this is what's going on. But I always remind them that, yeah, this is a normal thing and we'll be able to fix it by doing X, Y, and Z. But I find that sometimes with with my Chinese staff, they'll just say, hey, this is the problem. And then the customers will be like, oh my God, <laughs> they'll start freaking out, right? So it's just like learning the little subtle nuances in communication. That's something that I'm really trying to focus on training her for the next year. Um, 
customer psychology and then her understanding the different areas of the business because she understands project management very well she's been managing people now for like a year and a half so she's improving in in her hr skills um and she's beginning to learn a little bit more of the client facing things she's also doing toastmasters so she's you know developing her her like she's becoming more and more outgoing she's you know uh, becoming more and more comfortable meeting new people the one area of the business that she probably doesn't know much about is the sales and marketing. And I'm not saying she has to learn and become a, you know, an effective salesperson. No, I, I just mean that if she's going to be managing, let's say I hire, I hire a salesperson or, or I hire, like we have a marketing intern coming into China in the summer already. She needs to understand what that person is doing if she's going to manage them. So those are, those are the areas that I'm trying to really focus on, on teaching her. Um, Great for the next year or so. So I'm, I'm trying to identify some courses here in, in, in Guangzhou that she can take. And then there's books that I've given her to read. Um, and then there's, and I'm incorporating these things into the, into the KPIs that we're setting. Um, yeah. Uh, I'd love to hear some, if you're willing to share some KPIs, uh, that'd be awesome to hear something you're looking can, at. Let me see if I can pull up the, the list. Oh, while you're looking, maybe I can also mention, Listeners should listen to Steve Marsh's. I think he's been on the show twice. And I think if you haven't heard his, both of them, he would probably be warning you right now. And I feel like I should at least bring it up. But mm. there's a lot of cases where the Chinese, she seemed, actually, I'm curious also about equity or incentives, if she's actually a partner, going to be or not. But uh, there's also these risks where they set up their own shop and they kind of like pull clients in. I, obviously you have this, we're just talking about trust and relationships with the clients, but sure. there is that risk. And uh, I'd love to know, I guess, obviously no one ever, when you're deep into it, you, you know, just like when you get married or have a girlfriend or boyfriend, you never think they're going to do something like that. But have you thought about that? Do you have a plan for that? I mean, uh, I guess you just said she's not good at sales and marketing. I'm assuming it's a CFC, I think. But, uh, you know, I, of course, I at least need to bring that up. You know, there's all these books and stories about the bad Chinese. It's not always Chinese partner, but bad partnerships. And, uh, you know, they, they, they walk out with a USB drive of the database and stuff like that. You know, uh, I don't know. I'm just curious to hear. I'm not worried about that at all because at the end of the day, the business um, with this being a consulting company, my face and Mike's face are the reason why we get clients, right? Like people don't want to work with people don't work with us because of our, obviously they work with us because we have a team, but they don't work with us because of our team. They work with us because they trust me as a person and a brand and they trust that I'm going to manage their projects effectively. So you know, I mean, if she was to start, which she already told me she wants to start her own business in the future, which is kind of, and I, my whole thing from the beginning when she started working with me was that, hey, you work with me, learn as much as possible and get to see a startup um, from the beginning to whatever stage we get to. And then you exit and you, you go start your own shop. Um, whether it's her starting a sourcing company or her starting a different business, like I'm going to support her in her goals. So I'm really not worried about that at all. Um, yeah. I mean, okay. worst case scenario, if she was to try to poach my clients, I'm pretty sure my clients would tell me and then, you know, she gets fired and, and, then, yeah. and then we hire another person. So, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, Steve, Steve's case, which is on the show is mm -hmm. his, 
I guess there's also a sales, I think it was a salesperson too. So they were also the ones that got the clients in. He kind of yeah, had, the problem. yeah, that one kind of was Chinese and got clients in and he was a little bit different than you. It was, it was, uh, it was specifically on like audio equipment in China. So it was mm -hmm. like, uh, it was a vertical. So I think the buyers were like, you know, in the U S and maybe they got tempted with a cheaper price. So he just kind of like emailed them all and said, I can get you a better price work with my new company and he found out and but some of the clients went um and he sued him and uh i don't know i mean maybe i won't kill the whole story if people can listen but uh he's uh he wasn't very happy about all of that obviously so it's something to uh yeah i think i think the the biggest risk when it comes to this kind of stuff is like who controls the money and then who brings in the clients so if you're controlling the money and you're the one bringing in the clients there really is not much that that person can do in terms of stealing your your business, you know. True. Um, so that's that's with us. Like that is one thing that I am going back and forth with is how much control do I give her over finances? Do do I give her access to you know the HSBC bank account? Like you know those are the kind of questions I'm going back and forth with. But one thing I really do like is right now we've been using Meet more and more and you know, you have that central bank account and then you can get a card for each person, right? So she has a need card. And the way I'm looking at it is I'll still be controlling the central, the master account, and then I'll just transfer money to her need card if we have business expenses that Great. that um, that she has to handle. Great. But obviously there's, you know, it's limiting because there's only so much money that you can, you can um, take out of an ATM. Yeah, um, and then there's all these fees from the yeah. ATM. So that's an issue. I'm still trying to pull up this list. Well, Got it. Wait. My VPN. Oh, man. Well, it's not required. We can maybe even put some in the notes if you want, or I didn't want to surprise you. But um... <laughs> Okay, so there's uh, there's the main KPI, like is some of the management courses that I mentioned. Um, so there's a course that is put on by the British Chamber of Commerce. Um, it's about operations management and sales. Uh, it's like a three to six month. Well, they, they have different tiers. They can do like a day course, like once a week, um, which you can just pay for each time. And then they also have like long-term three to six month courses. And that's pretty much what I need her to do. Um, so that's the main one that I've identified. And then some of the other stuff, some of the other KPIs are kind of, more specific to the business. So I don't know if they're necessarily relevant for, you know, the people uh, here. It's like, you know, I want her to start taking charge of uh, quarterly and yearly strategic planning and KPIs for the staff that she's managing. So at the moment, what I usually do is like, I will come up with um, general, when we do the quarterly review, I'll, I'll review the KPIs from the previous quarter, but I will come up with quarterly uh, KPIs for the employee and then they'll also plug in their own. So it, it's kind of like a, I guess it's kind of like a negotiation. I'll say like, this is what I think you should accomplish in the next four months, um, three to four months. And then they'll say, okay, I think I can do that, but I think I can also do this or I can't do that. So I want her to take completely take over that. Um, okay. And then... Yeah, and then the other side of things is her just fully understanding all the sales and marketing, like the 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 way we set up the email funnel, the the, the how the YouTube channel connects to the website, and you know the, the pricing tiers and all that stuff. Honestly, that why do you? I mean, I'm feeling like I'm 
I don't know. I'm, I don't want to make you paranoid, but I would train somebody yeah. else for that stuff. It's not because I want her to do the sales stuff. It's just because I, when I do hire out, because uh, I'm still the salesperson right now, right? Um, but when I do hire somebody to do sales and marketing, I, I want her to under, have an understanding of what that person is doing. You yeah. What I mean? yeah. It's, not, it's, not, it's not that I want her to do sales at all. That's not her core competence, I, competency. I just wanted to understand the operations of each. Yeah, I think, part of uh, yeah. I think your top, for me, my, my girl is Mindy. Mindy, I don't think she listens to the podcast anymore, but she might be doing some QC spot checks on the shows, but she's kind of like my, maybe like my C, yeah, she's kind of like my uh, right-hand person, five or six years, totally remote. Um yeah, it's true. I mean, she doesn't do the sales and doesn't know what's happening with the sales, but she knows like how to at least uh, check if it's going or not. We have some other people on the sales team uh, for yeah. the sponsorships and stuff. So, yeah. but um, well, it's just like like there's been situations where um, I'll give you an example. There've been situations where so one of the one of the services that we have is we will receive samples in our office and do a review of samples on, on behalf of clients. It's really like not an inexpensive service, it's a hundred bucks, but we have a limit on the amount of samples a person can, can send in. Right. And this, this information is available for my team. Like they, there's, there's stuff out there that, that they could read and they'll know that, Hey, if this person pays a hundred bucks, they're only allowed to have 10 samples, but then there'll be situations where I'll come in and I'll check something. And it's like a client sent in, you know, 10 samples and then they're asking my team to order more samples. But because my team isn't familiar with the sales package, they don't know that we need to charge the client again for that. You know what I mean? And it's like, unless I'm paying attention to that on a daily basis, then there's no one else who's going to tell me that, Hey Rico, you know, the client is requesting more samples. So therefore we need to charge them again for that service. So it's like, I need her to understand those things because she's the one who's managing the projects on a daily basis and she understands um, what's going on with that. I get updated on that uh, daily, but I also, most of the time I do a deep dive on our weekly calls, uh, our weekly yeah. meetings. So it's just like small things like that. Like if she understands that, Hey, this package is 10 samples for a hundred bucks. Then when the customer, when one of the customers requests for more samples and she'd be like, no, Hey, we need to charge you again. Like little things like that. You know? mm, um, okay. Yeah, so that's that's sort of important because if I'm not in the office on a daily basis, I'm not even going to see the samples. Uh, yeah, and I, you know, so it's just like yeah, so that's it. And then, like I said, some of the other KPIs are very specific to the business, so I don't want to necessarily go into yeah, that. Yeah, that's fine. That's stuff. fine. And then you know, you asked about equity and things like that. So if she does become CEO, we are discussing her getting a small percentage, uh, but it's going to be sweat equity that you earn over a couple of years, and then. Uh, we what 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 we're implementing currently is a profit share, so okay. so we'll do an um, end of year profit share for certain employees that have been in the company for X amount of time in management positions. So she's excited about all of that, and she never she didn't expect to to get to this stage. You know, she she just really grew yeah. into the role. I think it's. I mean, I think there's these fancy terms I'm forgetting, but you can have people kind of grow through the company or you can try to hire executive. But mm. I think you probably seem to agree with me, but I usually like somebody kind of going through from the beginning and working their way yeah. up. 
Yeah, exactly. And I mean, for her, she was in, she used to work in my apartment, you know? So it's like, <laughs> you know, she's, she's seen oh, us, us go from like, you know, working in my apartment with my cat, like meowing all yeah. over the place to, you know, to, to two different office places and me speaking at events and her flying all over China and like her bonuses have gone up over the past couple of years nice. for managing a team. She's going on vacation to Thailand and things like that. I'm like, it, nice. it's pretty cool actually to see her enjoying her life and making money and growing as a as a person and as an entrepreneur in some sense. And you know, I'm pretty sure when she does start her own business, she's gonna she's gonna be a rock star. And, you know, she's also for her. I mean, the benefit is she's learning not only exactly. the business side of things, but she's also learning Western culture from me. She's learning, you know, how to deal mm-hmm. with Western clients. Which I think a lot of uh, a lot of Chinese people don't have that opportunity, right? At that age. Agreed. 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 Dad. I mean, I'm interested to hear how this progresses. Um, I think another bullet point I have is which you kind of covered, but I think we can maybe dig in a little bit more is the banking and the financial management, the kind of like mm-hmm. checks and balances. So yeah, we we all know neat. I think anybody now doing business with banking is no neat and uh it's like an online banking solution in hong kong is how is they've sponsored some of our events and content so it's awesome mm-hmm. to hear you mention them do you want to kind of give an idea of you kind of did but maybe kind of just more of a complete flow or how you're uh-huh. running your your monies with uh with her your coo or and and just in general the well, financial the, management kind of the financial side of things the the tough thing for us is that we get all of our payments are going into our hong kong bank account so our hsbc i've started to transition stripe payments into neat because they're sort of micro payments and and i i i'm using neat more and more for certain business expenses great so right now, uh, we we're using a combination of HSBC and Neat, like Neat because I have the little Mastercard thing. It's it's good for some of the smaller expenses with the business, but it's not really good for larger expenses because, I, as I mentioned, um, all those fees. It, the hardest thing for me is just getting the money into China, man. So I I physically have to go to an ATM, take out cash, and then deposit it into my Chinese business account, which is just like it's so ridiculous, man. So like, so that's, I, that's part of the reason why I'm trying to figure that out. So if I'm not here for two months in a row, you know, how does that work? So that's why I'm looking, I'm looking at Neat. I've been using Neat more and more, but I'm also looking at services like Aurelia Pay, which yeah. you recommended to me. Yeah, I was on their website the other day and I saw Global from Asia's. <laughs> and yeah. You're, you're, yeah. I mean, like, yeah, of course. I mean, they sponsor, but I mean, I'm a user. I, I, mean, I always try to promote and support things that I also have used or experienced myself. They're actually rebranding their name. Uh, so I finally, I don't have to listen just to me, but the name is hard to spell. But uh, let me find it. Um, but yeah, they're, they're a good one too. But they're not really a bank exactly either. Well, not technically, mm-hmm. me can't be called a bank either, but uh, it's goremit.hk starting in March. They just sent me oh, a okay. message. So, sure. but I think, of course, their domain will still work and we'll link it up on the notes. But yeah, that, that's another one for cross border payments. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's also one good for, yeah, into China as well as other yeah. places. And uh, I mean, paying paying suppliers is, is relatively okay with HSBC because obviously we can transfer it to. You know, most suppliers that we work with have 
accounts in China that they can receive USD into. So that's not really a problem, but it's more, it's more of the operation side of things like the micropayments when we order samples, uh, salaries, rent, things like that. Like that's, that's where I, I usually need R&B. Um, and yeah, it's a little bit rudimentary at the moment, but it works because I'm here. Yeah. So if I'm not here, then we have to figure it out. Yeah, I know. It's all about uh, making it work. I mean, I, I have been saying it. I'll be saying it on the, the new GFA as well as the old GFA, but it's, mm-hmm. it's getting harder. I thought it'd be getting easier. I actually thought like, man, people aren't going to need these podcasts and, and services because it's going to get easier as the uh, world grows. But I feel like it's these banks and governments are making it harder <laughs> for us yeah. or it's just yeah, trying yeah. to regulate it more, I guess. But yeah, I mean, there's no perfect solution and, uh, and got to do what you got to do. And hopefully everything keeps working as, as promised or as planned. But uh, yeah, so that's did, a tricky did I, part. Did I answer the, the question or did you want me to talk yeah, more no, about I think like, it's right. I mean, works. Oh, I think that's fine. I mean, I don't, I think people probably, most listeners know that or can figure that out online, but yeah, yeah. I think, uh, I guess I'm just meaning on the whole idea of like, you know, you're leaving, or spending less time in China and, you know, the financials is an important part of that, you know, process. So I just wanted to cover on that part. Um, Yeah. It's just, you know, figuring out how to get USD into, into RNB in China without physically being in China. That's, that's the tough part. So you you have three services, like you said. Yeah. Go ahead. ahead. I do think uh, it's a little bit easier your way than the other way out of China's really hard i think into china is a little bit uh easier but yeah i mean yeah i would say you're you're right but looking at aurelia pay i think even it depends from i think the trick is from which bank to which bank so i think transfer wise a lot of people do use they're used they actually used to be uh also sponsored a show as uh sendwire didn't transfer i think i think they only do the personal banks in china now or something or and uh and and it used to be remitzi that became sendwire that i was sending a lot of people to and they stopped totally china services or i there might be some weird way that you can still do it but i think it's just china is not allowing these people to do it you know like they wanted to go into company bank accounts which at full at tax like off the top you know so it's it's not technology and it's not like entrepreneurs uh it's yeah, just the regulations and taxes. Yeah, but the thing is, the funny thing about that is, even if I wanted to receive payments into my Chinese account, it's like I have to get a, I have to get a license to receive USD payments. Yeah, yeah. So it's like it doesn't even, it doesn't even make sense. Like I have, I have a Chinese business account, and then I have to pay to get a license to receive USD payments, and then on top of that, somebody needs to physically go to the bank when you receive a yeah. USD payment. Exactly. To transfer it into RNB, so that's just another. Exactly. It's just I another used to do that like, a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, so I was like, okay, what am I gonna? I'm gonna now like have my employee listed well, on file and then have them go to the bank. Like, I guess that's what factories do. We just but, uh, well, a lot of factories still use personal banks, which is you know shady. And probably yeah. saying your show, and I say, I say sometimes not to to pay personal accounts, but I understand why they do it. It could be they could be treating you too but they also could just be trying to save tax or or just also trying to save time going to the bank but mm-hmm. yeah i mean uh I, I we did two shows we we for people listening i it was talked about on your show i was on your show at this but we were talking about 
um, I'm in Chiang Mai and a lot of the Chinese uh, husbands can't be here with their wives because they have to be in the office in China. And this is <laughs> like one of the damn reasons, you know mm. what I'm saying? Like, uh, yeah, they, the banking uh, stuff. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, not, well, I mean, just banking, but also just working online. Like a lot yeah. of Chinese still don't get that, still don't get that or want that whole online work. I, I mean, I know there is some of it, but uh, it's and, unbelievable. And going back to, Going back to your point that you brought up with the the, the guy, which podcast was it? I want to actually want to listen to that. Uh, Steve Marsh. Yeah, he's he's two actually. He has a follow up after the lawsuit. He sued the guy and went to court, oh, and I interviewed him after. Yeah, wow. It got really so, serious because I mean, the guy just took like everyone's database, and I think he got it. I don't know how much percent, but he got a decent amount of client from it. So, so I mean, he like so going back to that whole thing. It's like you have to it's like with China, it's if I want to just be completely remote and then, you know, be outside of China and then figure out the banking stuff, I basically just have to give all control to one of my... Yeah, I mean, I like, have one of my... <laughs> my chops, I still have a Chinese company. My chops are yeah. uh, with my accountant. Um, yeah. And so that technically means she could go into banks or sign contracts or yeah. uh, other things. So, so that's the battle, right? Is because I want to maintain control over the finances. And then at the same time, I want to be remote. But the way the it's, way they've set it up is like they don't want that you're going against exactly. what they want. <laughs> exactly. So that's that's the biggest issue. Is like now you then you have to now figure out all these random things and deal with fees and all that stuff. So it's like either I give my project my COO here's the 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 HSBC card, here's the banking information, here's like everything, or I have to like figure out these wonky ways of getting money into the country. So <laughs> yeah, I know, so, man. Interesting, interesting cycle. I mean, I hope eventually it's going to change because I, I, there's more and more Chinese people that are becoming freelancers. I noticed that. And I mean, they're working with foreign mm-hmm. clients and it's like they're yeah. missing out on an, an entire industry right now, you know? Yeah, I know. Well, uh, I, I know we've, we've had a, we've, we've had a lot to talk about today and, uh, I think this was great so far. I mean, is there other, what's some, I will of course talk about some things you're working on, but as far as the whole, how's you feel comfortable, I guess you've been testing it last year, spending some time out and now you're going to spend more time out. You seem yeah. like you got a good person in, in, uh, in, in training going through, uh, is there something else you think as far as this process you'd want to share with the listeners? Um, yeah, I think obviously the first thing is you need, to, you need to hire somebody that you really trust and somebody that's grown in the company. I think with us, the thing was when she when I first started working with her, she was part-time, she was in school. Um, I had no idea that she would become what she is now and uh, internet connection unstable. All right, yeah, I had no idea that she was going to become what she is now. And then, you know, she's she's on board with everything that the company does. She's seen the growth. She believes in the vision. Um, she's actively involved in creating SOPs herself now, you know, um, and she she embraces the the direction of the company and the company culture. She's She polices the company culture a lot of times. We, we had to fire employees because she would she would tell me, like, I don't think this person is a good fit and she would give me, clear reasons and then I would monitor it and choose right. So, you know, I think that's what, that's the first part. And then the second part is of course is, you know, creating systems and being active about that from the beginning of the, from the beginning of the inception of the company. Um, and then just build constantly building out SOPs. Whenever something goes wrong, we do a review and then we figure out how to fix it and then we update or create an SOP around that issue. 
Um, and then, yeah, I mean, if you're, you have a registered Chinese business or Hong Kong business, then you, then you have to figure out how you can handle the payments into China remotely, um, which is just, you know, whatever service you end up using, whether it's really a pay or send wire or transfer wise, or, you know, you have to figure out what works best for you. And try to maintain a little bit of control, of course. I think Andy is in a position where he has a good person as well in in China. And she, she, I think she handles uh, his banking and stuff like that. I think he talked about it. And, uh, you know, he's got a good system there as well. And he's been running that. He's been doing it remotely for how long? When, When did Andy leave China? I feel like 2015 or so, maybe 14, 15, yeah. something like that. Yeah, and then, you know, test it out. So I'm going to test it out for two to three months and see how that goes. I'm sure there's going to be some issues that pop up while I'm, you know, outside of China. And then I'll figure out how to systemize that and fix that. Um, and then again, next year, when we do, when I do six months, I'm sure there's going to be some issues that pop up from there. And then I'm also not going to be that far away. I'm going to be two hours uh, two hours by plane. True. Like $150, $200. Yeah, exactly. Plane. That's you a know, good so. point. I yeah. think, yeah, I think opposite side of the world, like Andy and others is harder, but when you're on the same similar time zone, I think it's the exact same time zone in Manila. Exact so. same time zone. Should, I'm going to, you know, we're going to be maintaining the same routines. Uh, we, we usually have our morning meetings at 10 o'clock. So Monday we have a 45 minute meeting where we set the, we set the task for the week. Um, so we do like these weekly sprints and then daily we have a 15 minute meeting at 10 o'clock and, you know, we're going to maintain that routine and, uh, and then I'll see, I'll see what happens after that. Like, so probably you need to do a follow up at the end of the year. I'll come back on the podcast and tell you how. how yeah, that would be great, man. Always great. And, uh, so I think uh, I think we had a great show and how people find you and of course you got made in China podcast on iTunes also YouTube channel yeah. and then your websites and everything so yeah made in China podcast on iTunes of course um, sourcefinasia.com if you want to reach out to us uh, my email address my personal my business email address is rico at sourcefinasia.com the YouTube channel is the same name sourcefinasia um, great so I actually have you know the the, the, one of the videos that I have up there is the the panel that I did at the last Global from Asia Summit. Awesome! Yeah, man, we we'll get you. We we're also working on a cross border summit and for cross border summit. Yeah, yeah, cross border summit in Guangzhou in October. So dates are gonna be confirmed very very soon. And uh, and always appreciate your support. So we'll get that all rocking. Yeah, Thanks. hopefully we'll see some of the some of the people that listen to this podcast. At the, yeah, at the yeah, come summit. by, come on, come on out. All right, good. Thanks again for your time. All right, thanks, Mike. Talk to you soon. Are you looking at brand registry and other benefits of being an actual brand? This is the future of e-commerce and business in general. So make sure you get your trademark set up correctly. Our partners at Trademarks. 247.com or 247.com can help you get set up online fast, easy, and the right way. Get the info you need as well as the services at www.trademarks with an S 247.com. Thank you, Rico, for sharing. I was also recently on his show. Definitely check out Made in China podcast. It's a great one, and uh, he he has various styles of shows too, and. Uh, He's also a content creator like I am, or I'm becoming again. So 
I said at the beginning, if you're interested to hear my time in China or, you know, my thought process when I came, you know, I've got this in my book, Destination China, which I wrote way back, you know, 2015. People still buy it. I get still alerts that people buy it on Amazon Kindle if you want to read it, Destination China. But I'll give a little preview of my experiences. So I think some of you know, I worked on Wall Street, Deutsche Bank, 60 Wall Street, the JP Morgan building. And I was doing distressed debt, junk bond trading. And uh, even before I started, I was hustling, selling, selling things online or wanting to do my own business. I thought I had to get an MBA to start my own business for some crazy reason. I thought it was like a requirement to get an MBA to learn how to do business. I went to engineering school, Stevens Tech, and I was a kind of highly encouraged by my parents and the nuns. I went to a Catholic school with nuns um, to be an engineer. That business wasn't a, a, a good degree in, you know, get that after, get the MBA, first do the technical undergraduate or bachelor's and then get the business MBA later to learn how to do business. That's a long conversation, but uh, I kind of went along with that. But I went to Stevens Tech mostly because it was right next to New York City in Hoboken, New Jersey, which happened to allow me to see the September 11th attacks in 2001 with my own eyes, which is another story. But, you know, I always want to do my own business as far 10 years old. I remember drawing out my life map and starting a company was part of that for sure. And I just thought I had to go through the traditional route of college, working in a company, MBA, and then business, which is totally not true. And I I guess I encourage my kids if they want to go to college, but you know, 15 years from now when they are old enough, I think the world will be a lot different about college. But let's go back to China. So I was buying from factories, you know, the traditional Alibaba and global sources or, you know, online directories and the Skype calls in the middle of the night from the U.S. And, you know, I had quit the job already and I was living in San Diego. And there's a little bit better time zone with California to China. So I could do like a 7 or 8 p.m. calls, Cali time, California time with morning in China. But I needed to get out there. So finally in 2007 fall, I went out for the trade shows. I remember that I was at a Global Sources show in Hong Kong and I saw Mike Bellamy. He's been on the show a few times and he was speaking at a seminar there and I had a one-on-one with him, Chad, and he's just like, you're doing all this stuff, man. He's just, why don't you just move out here? And I'm like, move out here? I, can't. I really didn't think I could live in China. I didn't think it was possible. Not maybe not say China. I thought I couldn't live out of my home country. I don't know. It sounds really ignorant, but it was really in my mind. It's like, I thought I could visit another country. You know, I went to Italy and Europe. I backpacked Europe after college. But I just felt like you can't live outside your home country. Uh, you know, I admit it. Uh, I don't mind making fun of myself on this show. But uh, I uh, I just kind of, in my mind, was like, it was just like, wow, yeah, I, I'm visiting China. You know, or technically I was in Hong Kong at the time. First went to Hong Kong. Uh, well, I'll get political here. But in S-A-R, Hong Kong. So I then went to Shenzhen and Shanghai and Beijing. So, you know, crazy experience, like a one-month trip. And I remember paying a penalty and staying another week in Beijing for five weeks total in 2007. And I was like, I got to get back here. There's so much, you know, like I said at the beginning of the show, so much energy and action and just this feeling of money and feeling of hustle and got to get things done. 
and get ahead and and and, and motivate and uh this is the reactions happening so came back for uh you know christmas was had nowhere to live was crashed at my parents because i moved out of the cali place at peter's and uh it was like i'm moving to china and uh after right after christmas like the 27th of december i flew back to china and the plan was well originally it was of course just to feel like not a hypocrite buying from china and i actually had some sourcing services back in the day and uh use my space for social networking to get clients or business relationships in uh really crazy story there but before facebook at least was popular at least to me or even i could allow to be signed up 2005-2006 on myspace but uh basically basically went out to china with a six-month return ticket i think that was the longest i could book on the uh on the airlines as a return ticket i think six months i remember kind of going seeing how far out i could go with my return ticket because the flights are almost the same price, return or one way, or I think one way even cost more. If I, I swear it was like that. It was just like crazy not to get a return trip because of the price difference of a one way versus a return ticket. Like the total cost, I think return was like eight hundred, one way was like a thousand dollars. So it's like okay, I can pay eight hundred dollars U.S. for a to China. I technically always I still fly to Hong Kong if I can fly into Hong Kong and fly out out of Hong Kong six months later for 800 or just fly one way for a thousand i swear it was something like this but anyway i remember it was like so started living out of hotels directly into shenzhen got lost melissa which is maybe i should even get her on the show she's uh my first hire and uh, i met her in a trade show and she was working with me and she helped find me like in lohu somewhere i remember i was like exhausted and lost because i directly came into Shenzhen from the Hong Kong airport with no idea what I was doing in 2007. But anyways, I was in my mind, I was like, okay, let me get this Melissa. I hired her, you know, under cash under table with the intent. So, so nervous. I was going to get arrested for hiring somebody illegally in China and things like that. But I was in, I set up the companies. I think we've talked about this. There's so much, obviously they're saying, saying this but basically to to summarize about how long i was gonna stay in china my idea was i was set up an office for sourcing for my e-commerce businesses the bar products as well as a few clients within the industry mostly in the bar products industry and then uh, maybe six months go that return ticket maybe i would not stay in china i even was willing to lose my apartment i had a one-year contract but the guy idea was like screw it i'll just lose my one or two months deposit if if I need to if I decide not to stay so my idea always at the beginning was to learn and network and and manage and have a team maybe like what Rico's doing uh you know the idea was to find somebody to manage the operations the office but uh for me I just uh felt like I always needed to learn more and uh, we've had different guests on the show that know me, like Mad Singer, and he says, because it's true, like, I want to know, I like to know how something works before I have somebody else do it, and maybe it's the trouble letting go, I, I want to know a lot, and uh, anyway, we're getting close to 10 minutes of my blabbing here at the end, but, you know, you could, you already got the good interview with Rico, I'm just rambling, but I ended up staying and uh, never knew how long I was staying. And then finally, I left mostly probably because of the kids' school. The kids' school. 
basically off. I just that's probably the big reason I left, but it also wasn't as relevant for me to be there. I mean, I can come back if I need to, and things like that. And uh, running this podcast in my uh, little home office here in Thailand, I can do this anywhere, which is pretty cool. So you know, one month trip turned to five weeks. Turn to six months, turn to a few years. If you dig into archives of Mike's blog.com, you'll see I almost thought I was going to move back to New York City in, I think, 2010. Almost got an apartment, almost got some deals, almost got, had a warehouse. Well, it was like a self storage for the bar supplies. That was insanity in 2010, I think, or nine to, I think, more like 10. But I uh, decided to come back. And, uh, you know, I think that's happens a lot of f- f- expats. It's like, if I leave China, did I, if I'm not like a multi-mazillionaire, did I fail? Did I not do what I was supposed to do? Like, when is the end? When do I end? What is success or when is my mission accomplished of my China conquering, conquering the dragon? It's probably a title of a book or many, you know. Um, but I think in life, it's not just about conquering. It's about experiencing and learning and uh you know, I love learning. I hope you, I think you love, if you're listening to this podcast and other podcasts, you're a learner and you're uh, trying to better your, enrich your life. So, you know, for me, I got the best, you know, I got some amazing experience and network and I have an amazing wife and kids from that 10 years. And of course, amazing uh, people. So, we're going to get some good guests from that network too. More, so much more content to share with you. I'm feeling back in my natural state of this show. Um, so see you next week. Thanks. That's a wrap. Bye-bye. To get more info about running an international business, please visit our website at www.globalfromasia.com. That's www.globalfromasia.com. Also, be sure to subscribe to our iTunes feed. Thanks for tuning in.